takes a lot to get on my show Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance You like long walks and you wear clean pants Genius, get on to my show Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius I'm your host Omar Crook on this episode, I've got fantastic tenor superstar Russell Thomas, although he wouldn't call himself a superstar. Um, I don't know if that's true, because I, I've sung with him a few times at LA Opera. He sings all over the place. I mean, it, the Metropolitan Opera is his home, so I don't know. In our little world, he's a superstar. Um, this is a great episode for students of opera and people who are studying to become opera singers. I've had a couple of these episodes, and... Uh, and, you know, it, I don't know how to say this. The business of classical music is kind of um, um, obscured or obfuscated by the members within the community, especially when it comes to salaries and how much people get paid. And it's, it's all very, uh, it's all privately negotiated. So we talk a lot about that. And I, I was fascinated. I'm a 25-year veteran of opera, and, and I've never really understood the, the pay scale, pay structure, how it varies from house to house, how it varies within repertoire and and uh, within the Fach system and, and your voice type. We talk a lot about that, and he was very candid about it, and I, I really learned a lot of new things. We talk about how to manage your schedule, how to sing nonstop like he does uh, successfully, how to uh, negotiate your decisions uh, with regards to repertoire. For instance, he's starting into some Wagner repertoire coming up. Um, and I don't know, as a tenor, as a fellow tenor, I, I thought it was really interesting. I hope you find it interesting too. Happy Monday, everybody. Looks like this, uh, this Trump impeachment is get, gathering some steam. So I, I woke up in a pretty good mood. Sorry if you didn't, you know, whatever. It's a free country. That's how I feel. Uh, hope you have a nice rest of the week. I hope you uh, enjoy this this podcast. I I really I really like Russell, and uh, oh, he also had some good information about how to how to retire from this kind of business. Well, we're all independent contractors, and we're going gig to gig. I've always said that uh, having to show up to earn a paycheck is a sucker's game. Russell agrees with that. He's prepared for his retirement. That's that's another interesting little tidbit. What else? Well, I guess that's it. Here's Russell Thomas. All right, man. Well, thanks for being on the show. I, we've been uh, going back and forth, and I, we finally got it to happen. I'm very happy about this. I, um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, You've been in L.A. a lot. Uh, since I've been here in 12 years, I think we've seen you three or four times. Is, this is becoming a, a, a regular, I guess this is your second time at the opera? Second time at the opera, and, and I was at, at the Phil um, maybe three times, and I'm back at the Phil next season as well. That's right. How uh, how do you like it here in L.A.? I love it here in L.A., do you? especially now. Yes, absolutely. What do you mean, especially now? How, how do you mean? You know, um, because, you know, a lot has changed in my life uh, over the last few years, and uh, I've been having a good time in LA this trip. Oh, good. Yes. Okay, good. And you're from Atlanta? Is I'm from right? Miami, but I live in Atlanta. You live in Atlanta? Yes. Uh, but you grew up in Miami? I grew up in Miami. Tell me about that. Are your are your parents musicians? No. They're no, not? No one in my family is a musician. Same with me. No one in my family is a musician. I was a fluke. Uh, I heard opera on the radio um, 
as a kid, but I sang in choir in elementary school Yeah. Uh, before they took music out of schools in Florida. Um, and I came home one day and heard opera on the radio and was hooked. I listened every day after school. I you know, turned on the radio and listened to opera. So you really knew from a young age that you wanted to be in music somehow. Yes. And yes. did you know that you wanted to you you wanted to be a singer in particular? I wanted to, I knew I wanted to be a singer. I didn't th- knew if I I didn't know that I had any talent for singing, but I knew from a very young age that that's what I wanted to do. Wow. Okay. That because that was one of my questions is what did you do before you became a singer? Uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I've always been a singer. Uh, from high school and you know after high school, uh, I had my first voice lesson uh, as a senior in high school. Uh, I had two weeks of voice lessons with a wonderful teacher in Miami, Joy Davidson. And uh, she she said that, you know, if you audition for schools, I guarantee that you'd get accepted and maybe you get full scholarship. And um, and she was right. I got accepted every school I auditioned for and I got full scholarship to, I want to say, all but one. And you always were a tenor. Uh, yes. You, start, you didn't start as a baritone. No, no. Wow. OK. Always sang as a tenor. You know, there's so many interesting stories about how people get into singing. Uh and I find that it's split about 50-50. About half of the people that I talked to fell into singing. Mm-hmm. And about half of them uh, ended up doing it your way. And it's funny, the most successful people I find tend to know what they want to do when they're kids. Yes. It seems like I you knew, have a singular interest. I knew very early that this is what I wanted to do. I didn't know until I met this lovely woman, Joy Davidson, who said, you know, I really think you have a talent for this. I think this is something you should do. Um uh, when I met her, uh, it sort of solidified everything for me. Uh-huh. And uh, when I went and auditioned for all these schools uh, and was accepted, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, that's what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. I was uh, going to go into the military. I was going to, you know, I had, you know, was going to go to MIT at one point. Uh, I was accepted to all of these schools and military academy and everything. And uh, just changed, every, that, that moment changed my life. I mean, when, that was there was no going back. There was no that. going back, no. Oh, how interesting. Um do you still uh, do you still study? I mean, here I get. Well, let me lead to that question. I've I've heard you sing live, and uh, this is our second production, and I'm all I've always been amazed by your level of. Um, oh, thank God that thing went off. Right. Uh, if you guys were hearing a buzz, uh, anyway, I'll I'll explain it later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been amazed by your uh, consistent singing, and I I've never. I mean, I hear you experiment. Uh, in the upper reaches of your voice, uh, some nights it's a little bit different. I, I hear, you, I, I feel that you're a real thinker when it comes to the way you use your voice. Yes. Uh, do you um, still go to a voice teacher? Is that something that you still do? I haven't had a lesson in a very long time, uh-huh. but I do consider uh, Mark Oswald in New York my voice teacher. Mm-hmm. So you uh, check in occasionally. Uh, occasionally, mm-hmm. when I'm in New York, and if, <clears throat> excuse me, if we both have time, absolutely. Yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever get into into vocal problems? I've never heard you. Uh, I've never heard that from you, and I've heard that from a lot of singers here. I've been here for a long time. Uh, never had a situation when I had vocal problems on stage. I mean, I, I sing well sick. Because I, it puts a lot of things into focus. Yeah. Uh, like I'm not feeling great today, so okay. tomorrow would be one of those days where I feel like we'll I have see to what really happens. focus uh-huh. uh, locally, uh, make sure that I'm lined up in the right way. And, what do you mean? How you do you know? do that? Do you how, do you have a pr- particular set of warm ups or things that you do before per- performance? No, I I don't do anything differently. Yeah. Other than when I'm on stage, <clears throat> there's probably a little less, you know, abandon right. and more, you know. Right. Thought, safety. You know, and safety and yeah. just keeping things lined up and that's, trying to make sure that um, 
I'm not giving too much where I don't have to and right. and those kind of things. And then I save for the big moments, you know. That's that's a great word that I would use to describe your vocal style is abandon. Yeah. Uh, and I felt the same way about Grigolo in a, in a different way. I mean, he's got obviously a different voice type than you do, but I, I was ama- I'm amazed by both of you and the way that you sing, which to me is seems very seems very dangerous. And then, which is great. Yeah. I mean, as an audience right. member, it's thrilling. Right. Uh, obviously, I'm a tenor. I've I've sung for 25 years. I know that that that's a trick in some ways. Yes. To, to sound right. more dangerous. Right. Um, but I've never heard, you know, like Pavarotti had a real um, reputation for canceling. Right. That seems to be something that's not really on your radar too much. Yeah. No, I canceled one thing in, in the last, you know, 13 years, just once. Uh, and not a performance. I just canceled the whole run. I just pulled out of it because I had some health issues. But uh, other than that, no, I've never canceled a performance. Wow, that uh, that's incredible. That, Hopefully, uh, yeah, knock right, on, right. Knock on this wooden bar top. That I speaking of <laughs> speaking of knocking on wood. Do you, uh, when I when I was in college and I started to sing, I, I started very late, and so I always felt like I was behind. I had some nerve problems. I, I didn't really know how to sing well. And I developed some superstitions that at one point became kind of detrimental to my well-being. Is that? And I know that that's common with athletes, baseball players, and singers. Singers, in, yeah. In particular, uh, I know that Pavarotti used to go around and find a, a nail, you know, to put in his pocket and that type of thing before. Right, a stage uh, nail. Yeah. Is that yeah. anything? Is that no. something that that you fall in, into? No, I don't. I don't do that. I'd probably say a little prayer for me, and my colleagues beforehand. <laughs> you know, th- that's it. I mean, that's the only consistent thing that I probably. I steam on the day of a show and oh, I you probably do. say a little prayer. You know, those two things. I mean, I don't even warm up a whole lot. I don't warm up a whole lot. Well, I find, yeah, I find for myself that when I'm singing constantly, you kind of know where your voice is yes. from day to day if you're yes. if you're singing a schedule like that. Right. Uh, I remember when I uh, used to tour with Bocelli and things like that, and we'd sing every day, every night, twice, you know, sound check in the morning. And by the time you're ready to go. You you know what's going to happen. You know happen. what's going to happen. Yeah, yes. you know where you need to pull back, like you were saying earlier. Um, let's see. What uh, have you ever felt like quitting? Every day. Okay. Now this is interesting. Every day. This is something that I. <clears throat> this is something that I struggle with too, and it may be the one of the things that ha- held me back as a soloist. I I had an agent for a couple of years, and I I, I sang around the country. Mm-hmm. I sang did some singing overseas as well, and I just did a couple of years ago actually. So I'm still kind of in it. But that's one of the things that I struggle with is just my nerves and sometimes the travel, sometimes the schedule. It makes me feel like, I, is this really what I signed up for? Is that something that you that you go through? Well, it gets a little, for me, it gets a little overwhelming. I'm extremely busy. And, you know, as a singer, we always want to be busy. Yeah. And the busier you are, that means you're making money. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're making a living. Um, so, but there are things that I feel like I miss out on, you know, being, at, you know, spending time with my family or um, just having a moment to relax. I'm always working on the next thing. Uh, and there's, there are not very many moments to relax. Like I had my first vacation in March for the first time in a long, very long time. Took a week, nine day cruise. You know, that was the first vacation I'd had in a very long time, but I needed those nine days. Yeah. I needed those nine days to do absolutely nothing music related. What prevents you from taking more time off in your schedule? Um, other than demand, obviously you can say no. You can always say no, but there are certain you know, especially when you're at a certain level in your career and I'm not a beginner and I'm, but I'm not a superstar, you know, I'm, there's this little area in between and I want to make sure that I'm, that people keep asking for me. 
So that the pressure of wanting to make sure you're, you're re-engaged mm-hmm. makes you feel like you have to say yes. Does your management encourage that or is that something that is just no, that's, you? That's, that's just on me. you. I mean, people, things come and, you know, of course, management always wants to make more money. So mm-hmm. they're going to always say, oh, of course you can fit. You can squeeze, you know, three performances in in this little time here. And, I don't know if that's really management, squeeze, though. Right. Well, well it, de- <laughs> it depends. I mean, that, that's but that's what they do. You know? Right, I mean, right. They have to. It's all a business. Yeah. And that's the one thing that a lot of people don't understand about, you know, art, you know, art. The you know, intersection say, of, of commerce of and commerce art. commerce and art. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I used to say quite a bit, you know, art and business don't mix. Right. You know, but in order for you to, you know, feed your kids or, you know, to make a living. That's right. And to be able to pay the mortgage. You have to, you know, think about the business side of things. Uh, so. I'm very. I'm a very astute business person. Huh? You Where know, did you get that? How, how did that uh, come about? I mean, is your dad uh, in business? Is that no, something you no. grew up? No, um, My grandmother actually was, you know, and and I and I invest in real estate and I do all these different things. I mean, I'm always thinking about ways that I can make money when I'm not yeah. singing. You yeah. know. Well, that uh, you know, I've always known that showing up to get paid as a sucker's game. Oh yes, absolutely. That's just no way to live. No way You've to live. You've got to make money while and, you're sleeping. And, and there are a lot of singers who make great fees. Sure. Who live paycheck to paycheck. I know. You know, um, and that's just the way they live. And I I wouldn't feel comfortable living that way. I mean, I sort of. I'm not great with money, but I know I manage my your retirement and your yes. I manage things very well, so I know that if I ever get in any financial bind, right. I could sell an asset, you right. know, and I'll be okay for six months or so, right. you know, those kind of things. But uh, no, my, my grandmother invested in real estate and she bought, bought property, and that's just sort of what she did. And so seeing that and mm-hmm. seeing her in her old age not worry about money and that kind of thing, it it always was one of those things that I knew that I had to have something. Uh, just in case, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a big consideration, uh, retirement. And I'm, I'm thinking about it too. I'm 47. I've got two young kids. I'm, I'm kind of an old dad. I've got a one-year-old and a four-year-old. I have a mortgage uh, and a wife that I'd like to keep at home if possible. Right. Uh, and I know that I won't be able to sing for the rest of my life. Right. I mean, you'd have to be dumb to not know that. Right, absolutely. That's just there's the, a shelf life. Everything there is has a shelf, shelf life, yes. and especially depending on how you use it. You know, right. when people would see Maria Callas, it was like watching a, a falling star. You know, I right. mean, she's going to burn out fast. Right, fast. Uh, and I, I, I mean, that was actually one of my questions. I have it right here. How, how are you preparing for retirement? And that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. Rep- I don't prepare for it uh, in a very traditional way like yes i do have a 401k and and i but do i I, do i save as much money as i should absolutely not but i do have i think the the my security blanket so to speak is the fact that i've i bought all like a lot of properties and i have you know tenants and Mm -hmm. there are people paying rent and those kind of things yes and i and i and I don't really have a huge mortgage, you know. I have one or two two mortgages, and they're not very huge, you know. Mm-hmm. So Manageable, I, yeah. Yeah, so I don't have to worry about, you know. So if I didn't sing and make a fee from the money that I collect in rent, I can live. Mm-hmm. I can live, you know. Probably wouldn't be able to take many vacations. Right, right. I could live comfortably. Is, is, so maximizing your fees, I would imagine, is something that you're very good at. Because like you said, I've interviewed singers uh at very expensive hotels and things right. like that, where I think, oh, okay, like this is this suite is probably fifteen hundred dollars a night, and right. you're making you know fifteen a night, and it adds right. up. It adds up. Absolutely. It adds up fast. How, yeah. how do you how do you keep yourself here in LA when you come? Do you do Airbnb a, or I, what do you I do? I rent an apartment, a corporate rental kind of apartment. Yeah, you know, so which is 
they're expensive. You know, yeah. there's no there's no way around it. You know, you have to pay for housing if the company doesn't provide it. Uh, where the company provides housing, you know, uh, I take it. You do you know, absolutely. If you're with a donor or something like that. Oh no, no, that way they, they don't do that. For, Some at people your level. do. Some people do, but I would never do that because I feel like you have to entertain them. That's right. And I don't, you know, I when I'm working, it's work. You know, yeah. it's not entertainment. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. You can come to a show if you want to be entertained, <laughs> but but sometimes you have to, you know, you always you need have to your be space. on. Yeah, yeah, you always have to be on when you're when you're in a situation where you're living with donors and that kind of situation. Um, but uh, no, I mean, if they provide a host hotel or sure. if they provide an apartment or something, I will always take it. You know, let's talk about that. I'm, I've always been curious, and I know that a lot of my listeners are students and they're getting into this business. How do you negotiate that type of thing? Is that something that comes from management? I know that LA. I've been doing this for a year, and I've interviewed a lot of artists that I haven't heard of them supplying housing here. Is that just one of the things about LA Opera that they just don't do that, or is that well, common? I don't know if they do it for, or who they do it for and who they don't. Uh-huh. But I know for. Uh, the two times that I've been here, they haven't. You know, I've never heard of it. So you know, I, the Phil, think... for instance, uh, provide you with housing. You work at the Phil, they give, they get you an, an apartment or an ap- apartment at you know Metro Four One Seven, or they get you a hotel at the big hotel across the street. Oh, at you know, Omni, yeah, at the mm-hmm. Omni. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they provide you with housing, uh, but uh, a lot of opera companies these days don't. And do they uh, compensate by having a higher fee, or how do all? Well, that's another question. Like at the it, a at the a level, like we are, are the fees uniform? Pretty much. Pretty so much. So what what you make at at L A, uh, you'd make Houston. at the Met, and you'd make at Houston, in Chicago, make at Chicago, San Francisco. Pretty much the same fee schedule, you know, and you know they all talk. All the companies talk, right? So right. I mean, which I think is a little you know bad business, but they sort of talk, and it's you know, if I guess if Chicago or somebody was negotiating a fee. Uh, you know, with my management, they'd probably call, you know, and say, LA Hey, say, LA can't, we can't afford you know, that over here. Take what, it what easy. You, or, or, or call LA and say, what did you guys pay this person? You right. Know, you know, they're asking for this. Is that kind of what you paid? Right. And if that's, if that, if they paid on the same level, then the company says, okay, we have to pay that. I see. You know, but of course they're, they're trying not to pay as much. Sure. And, and we're you're trying, trying to, to get as much, as yeah. much as you can, you know, yeah. it's typical supply and demand thing. And if they want you, they'll pay what you want. I would imagine you're in pretty high demand. A little bit. I mean, uh, well, I mean, anybody who's heard this guy sing would agree with me. I mean, I, I can imagine that you are booked. How, how far ahead are you booked? Five years? Is that how you go? Yes, about five. Well, about five years. I have things in 2022 now. Wow. That are that are coming in. And you, are you adding repertoire? Yes. You are? Yes. Tell me about that. Like I, when you're, for instance, are you studying a new role right now while you're doing this? Fortunately, yes. Okay. Yes. There you go. Yeah, I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't plan my schedule. You know, time management um, uh, is a very important thing for a singer. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're doing solo work and you're working a lot. Uh, planning that time to study yeah. is equally as important as planning, you know, which roles you're going to take. Have you ever shown you know? up unprepared? Never, but I'm afraid that that, 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 it may, ha- <laughs> that, that may happen <laughs> with, the, with the next job. <laughs> the precipice. I've, I've, ne- I've never uh, showed up unprepared, but I'm I have a feeling that it's going to be tight. Uh, it's going to be tight. Yes. What do you, can next, you tell me what Loga. you're studying? Yes, I'm studying Loga. I'm, I'm doing my first Orion Gold performances ever. Um, <laughs> and I didn't, when I originally got the contract, I didn't know that it needed to be off book because it's with, with, with the oh, symphony. Oh, it's a concert. Yes. I, I see. So I didn't realize it needed to be off book. Of course. So well, that's, I, sure. I put it off. I was like, oh, well, I can just learn it in, you know, a couple of weeks and, you know. Sure. <gasps> then I found out that it had to be off book and that was and that they're staging it you know and that they're you know 
So yes, it's a it's a bit of a shock for me. How do you learn a role? Do you listen to recordings? Do you plunk it out on a piano? I plunk it out on a piano. You do, and then I listen to recording. How are your piano skills? Uh, you know, are they good enough to play the melody and figure out yes. what's happening? Yes, all that stuff. Yes. Okay, so I would say like C minus level. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. C minus level. Uh, well, I feel better uh, now. Keyboard skills. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm but, about I mean, a D, I, so I'm close. Yeah, there's there there's some, but there's some singers that are you know that are really great at the keyboard. You know, I'm just not one of those. I didn't study piano. I studied to be a singer. Yeah, as well. Uh, yeah, and and I did you know class piano like Me we too. have to take to do you know get a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I studied class piano. Uh, class piano, but. Uh, that gives you a very basic reading skill, you know, it gives right. you a very basic skill. Right. And I wasn't even very good at it. I'm not coordinated enough. Same with that, me. You know? I feel like those connections in your brain happen when you're a kid. And as an adult, it's like driving nails into your head. Yes. To, it feels like it, literally. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. If you don't, it, you know, there's some people who are great at it. Yeah. You know? there, and others that just can't do it. That's you know? right. So in this, uh, in this apartment that you're renting, do you have a piano? No. So what do you do? I have an app on my phone that has a little keyboard. And so I do that or I come just to check building. like you sight read and then you just yeah. check where you are. Yeah. And that's how or you're I, learning this. Or, yeah. Or I play it and then. Yeah. And then who are you listening to? Who's your favorite for this role that I you're doing? I don't have a favorite for this role. You don't? No. No. I don't have a favorite for this role. I don't know the repertoire well enough to have a favorite. You know, <clears throat> I've heard the, the opera a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, live, you know, yeah. Phil Landridge did a great performance. Oh, uh, I miss Phil. Boy, what a singer. Yeah. Um, uh, recently, uh, Richard Croft and uh and at the Met had sure. a great uh was great as Loga. Mm-hmm. Um they're you know, those are the ones that I remember from like live performances. Sure. Kind of thing, you know? Uh but I don't really have a favorite. Yeah, do you find yourself getting in trouble listening to other singers? Do you have a tendency to copy other singers? Yes. Me too. Yes. Especially the singers that I like. Me too. Yes, especially the singers that I like. So I try not. I try to avoid listening to those singers as much as possible. Me too. When I came yeah. to work here and I was on stage with Placido for the first time, I looked at his, his singing. I was like, "What the hell's going on? Like, I can't sing. I right. can't do that with my tongue. I right. can't make my right. sound that way. I don't." And it, yeah, it got me. In, you know, I get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, who are your favorite singers that you try not to listen to very often? I try not to listen to the Monaco. Sure. I try not to listen to the Monaco. Um, uh, yeah, I would burn my voice out overnight if I tried to sing like that. Yeah, just I, or any of the guys that you know do the over, you know, very over dark kind yeah. of thing. I don't listen to Jonas Kaufman. Yeah, uh, because I don't like that. I mean, I I love listening of to, course. I love hearing it, of course, but I don't want to start mimicking. that. Oh, you thing. have to man- highly manufacture it if yeah. you just don't have that sound, right? And it, and I think it, I think it's a highly manufactured sound you for do. a lot of people. Absolutely, um, I think that everybody has. Uh, a dark and a light that Kiaro Skoro is sure, happening in their voices, but uh, some people drive it that drive way. it towards the dark. What do you, you mean, know? anchored larynx? Uh, absolutely, uh, up in the back. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. And it sounds very impressive. But sure. When you know, and if they can open up into the top and sing a great high note after singing that way and bearing down on the voice that way, uh, it's equally impressive. I've, it's even more impressive, rather. I mean, I look at I look at Placido. I, I remember uh, twenty five years ago thinking, how how does he Right. How does he continue to sing How like this? I mean, honestly. How is the tongue raised that high? And, everything that and people tell that you not sound. to do. Everything people tell you not to do, he's done. and For his whole life. For his whole For life. decades. Yes. And he's still killing he's it. still going. I don't, I don't understand that. Because vocal technique is something that's individual to the person. You know, there's nothing. Uh, there's some stu- teachers and studios that uh, teach everybody the exact same way. Right. And this is where people get into trouble. Right. Everybody is not, you know, physically built the same. Every, you know. Uh, yes, the basic 
instrument or the way our bodies are built in, in the anatomy sure. of it is the same. Sure. Yes, nobody has an extra anything right. in their in their throats or in their faces to make anything more happen. Right. More or less. Right. But, you know, everybody's, a, you know, from a body type, from how, you know, long or short someone's neck is to, right. you know, how fat or thin they are. You know, all of these things make a, a difference in how somebody should be taught. That's right. And if uh, if there aren't things, you know, to make an individual technique, help that person find an individual technique, then you're sort of putting a blanket, you know. Right, uh, right. Fix it all. Yeah. Right. On mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. It just may not work. It may work. It may be a successful thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. It may be a successful thing for 10 of your students right or the other 25 right may not right it may I, not work for them at yeah, all. yeah i've always thought of voices like cars you know all cars have doors and steering wheels and seats and, right. and a motor and the motors technically work all exactly the same way they yes. blow up gasoline <clears throat> and air and the pistons and that piston makes energy except for those people that drive annoying electric cars <laughs> but yeah but they're not you know they're not all ferraris and they're not all hondas hondas are very reliable and hondas right. will get keep going for years and years and ferraris will maybe burn out a little faster, but they're right. sure exciting. Yeah. And voices are the same way. And I think that voice teachers are like mechanics where I would never take my my Mercedes to a Bentley dealer because they wouldn't know what they were looking at or vice versa. Right. Um, and it's hard to to find that right teacher. Do you, there, There's a question I was thinking of. Do you have any aspirations to teach or do you teach? Is that something that Every you're interested in? Every now and then I do teach. In, uh, in the form of a master class or? Well, I, I've done some master classes as well. Awesome. Oh, there goes the hum. There it goes. <clears throat> well, I'm just gonna have to. Yeah. I've done some master classes as well, but uh, I teach a few students in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, but teaching uh, requires a constant commitment. Uh, that's right. And because I'm always gone, that's not uh, not fair. Yeah, not fair. And yeah. it's not the best thing for the student. And I know people teach lessons over Skype and these kind of things today. And I think that's the worst thing that you could ever do. Why is um, that? Are you physical? teacher i mean well i think that teaching is physical yeah you know yeah. how do you you know tell somebody and show someone without showing your whole right. instrument yeah without you know touching and making sure that they're breathing in the right way and that the air is low enough you could say take a low breath but if someone doesn't physically know how to do that yeah how do you show them over skype yeah you have know? you have you always had these high notes yes. always? always always it's the things below it that i didn't have you know can you uh dissect the technique that you use that you employ to reach those types of sounds up above your passaggio in a way that makes sense to other people? Or in other words, like I found that that not always the best tennis player is the best tennis teacher. Absolutely. There are some things that are natural, you know, um, but I've learned over the years how to make, how to make that sound bigger or smaller or how to manipulate the voice sure. in a way to uh, to get a certain color. Like the sort of voce that you use for yeah. Cavaradosi, yeah. Yeah, so try to find ways to manipulate the voice in, in different ways. And so because I've had my last teacher, Mark Oswald, I, I feel is was probably the best teacher I've ever had. Hmm. Um, the technique that he uses and how he teaches in a very micromanaged way showed me or helped me figure out how I learned to sing my top or how I ex- access those notes and those kind of things. Right. So, um, so I think I'm, I'm able to do the, to impart that, to impart that mm-hmm. information. But there are, there are times where I feel like, uh, I just don't know how to tell someone to do it because I've already, I've always done it. Right. That's you my know? question. I've yeah. always done it. Uh, some people I can explain certain things to and they get it. And some people, they just don't get it. You know, they yeah. just don't get it. Yeah. I, did you find it 
difficult. Uh, when I went to, so I studied English and I was a, a freelance writer. I'd gotten into UCLA to study creative writing. And I, I really just discovered I could sing. Okay. And in some ways that was a blessing because I suddenly had this other opportunity to make a living quickly doing something new that I really didn't know anything about. But um, because of my natural talent, which I know that you're chock full of, when things didn't make sense to me, I didn't know where to begin. Like, for right. instance, you're talking about your middle voice. Right. Uh, was that always something that was a problem, or was it pressure of making money as a professional singer, or was it the pressure of your tr tremendous reputation for your high notes that made the middle voice tougher for you? Did you have to dissect it? No, uh, what... Well, no, the my, the thing is just naturally my voice is placed a bit high. Right. You know, uh, when I was very young, I could sing, you know, E flat above high C sure. without a problem, you know, and it was full sort of connected, I mean, connected E flat, you know, mm -hmm. and then over, you know, now I can, I have a very good D and it's, you know, C sharp D always there, you know, it, these are just notes that I always have in my voice. Um, and I never knew how I did it. No one taught me how to do that. That's a, that you know? is so frustrating. Well, it is. Well, yeah. There, there. No one taught me how to do that. Like I never went into a lesson, and my teacher said, "Okay, now you know, do X, Y, Z." Pretend you're holding two heavy suitcases right, and bend your knees right. and stretch the rubber bands. Yeah, stuff, right. You know? Okay. I never had that. I he would warm me up, and I would go up to these notes. You know. Um, well, actually, at first he didn't warm me up that high, but one day I was like singing along to you know. Uh, Joan Sutherland singing Renyava. Sure. You know, and da 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 dee, da 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 da. I was singing that, and he walked by practice room and was like, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's like just singing along with my recording in my ear, you know. Yeah. And so he said, Sing that again. And I saw I sang it again. He said, Do you know what note that is? I was like, I have no clue. He's like, Okay, let's warm up. Okay, okay. And I went higher and higher and higher. And that's how I knew that I could sing that high. And you were lucky, I would imagine, at least what it sounds like, you were lucky to have a teacher that didn't try to fix that. Right. No, he didn't touch it. He didn't touch Just it. Just keep doing He tried that. to build the things below it. And and then I had, like, you know, from F, uh, the low F and a tenor's voice, yeah. to below was completely air. Like, there was nothing there. There was no absolutely chest. nothing there. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Um, I mean, it sounds and over, like... And as I got older, more and more, that built in. You know, and I still don't have a great low voice, but no one cares if a tenor has a low voice. Yeah, unfortunately, I've got a tremendous low voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for parties. Uh, I mean, it sounds like the 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 range in your voice would be very well suited to Rossini. It would be, and, and you know what? And early on, I, that's what I wanted to sing. I was a huge fan of Rockwell Blake and Chris Merritt. Uh, how, how, yeah, how's your coloratura? Horrible. So it always hard. has been horrible? Always has been horrible. Now, that's another thing that's hard to teach. Yeah. Uh, like the voice that you have on top that you didn't have to be taught, I think I always believe the coloratura, you either have it or, or you, you really got to work like the devil yeah. to fake it. Yeah. You know, there are people, you know, friend, like friends of mine, like Larry Brownlee, mm -hmm. he could sing, he, and he always had that ability. Mm -hmm. And he compared it to singing in church and singing runs and gospel music, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how he's, he's he visualizes said, it. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. You know, and that's how he knew that he could do that kind of repertoire. Because he would sing runs in gospel music. Yeah. And so he just applied that same technique or that same ability to, you know, these very, you know, demanding coloratura parts. Right. And that's something that was never comfortable for you. No, never. Now, as you move forward, I mean, just talking about the rep that you mentioned, that low voice is going to become more and more important. Are you worried about compromising the top as you I build your lower? I am very worried. So about, how do you, how do you manage that? It. But 
Um, not to oversing in, in the middle. If you don't oversing in the middle, the low voice will come. We'll it, will, it will be there. You know, as soon as you start over singing in any part of the voice, you lose something else. So if I start over singing in the low in the middle, trying to force that sound, that to top go, will go. The top will go, and vice versa. Yes, your low if, goes right. if your your if top, your top is, is overextended, burning. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but I don't think. Uh, see, I don't, for instance, I don't think. For instance, like I have Forza coming up, mm-hmm. you know, and I have Otello coming up, and and I don't think those roles necessarily require a full low voice. Like mm-hmm. Verdi didn't write any heavy orchestration. That's right. When you're singing lower in the voice, you know, right. good composers didn't do that. Sure. You know, um, but for instance, I'm worried about that in uh, Wagner, for instance, in the with Loga. Mm-hmm. Although Loga is not a heavy voiced character, the he's horns a character are loud. tenor. He's he's like he's pre- pretty much a character tenor, you know, and this guy's singing. Uh, when the orchestra's at full blast and he never is singing above the staff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always mm-hmm. on the staff. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that you have to figure out how to make, how to bring the point. That's and how to, quality, yeah. yeah. And how to um, keep the point and the focus in the voice. So Are you, you worried know? about roles dropping off as you go in that direction? Dropping off behind you as far as the, the no. lighter side of your fach? Well, I well, no one wants me to sing that stuff anyways. You know, the stuff that I, I mean, I would love to sing at Gardo. I would love to sing the Duke more. But yeah. no one really wants me to sing. Why that, is so. that? I don't know. They just, I I started getting more and more work when I started saying yes to, you know, Don Carlo, you know, this all the Verdi repertoire that I sing now. I mean, is that? Uh... It's a sub- again, a supply and demand thing. You know, they don't have. There are not enough people that can sing this rep that I'm singing today. Uh, but there are a lot of guys that can sing at Goddard. There are a lot of guys that can sing the Duke, you know. So they rather use those guys to sing that stuff, you know. And they can I hire see. a Grigolo or something to sing the Duke and to sing at Goddard. They sing those lyric, more lyric parts. Right. And they can have a flashy name that sings those lyric parts. Yeah. But they could have a guy that with a, with a less flashy name sing Cavaradossi, sing the workforce. Uh, Enrico. Not yeah. to say, I mean, not to, no, no, but, but not, that's not kind of pejoratively. Yeah. I no, don't no, mean but that, that pejoratively. That, no, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's you know, we we don't need you for you know those more lyric parts you know like mm-hmm. I would love to sing De Grieux from uh, you know the Massenet mm-hmm. Manon uh, they don't need me for that you know mm-hmm. they don't need me for that stuff um, but you know Amen on a skull mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they need a voice like mine that can last a long time and that can give a lot of power sure uh, in the top especially sure they need a voice like mine so that's what they want it to do they yeah. want it for you know and I have to try to be careful with that's why I, I agreed to something like a logo because it's completely different from everything else. Mm-hmm. I from everything else that I sing. Um, and it gives me a break from, you know, strenuous highness. And it's a concert setting and you yes. can, it, it's a, it has a little bit, well, I mean, it sounds like they're really putting you through the ring or a little bit more than, a little, <laughs> a little, a little bit, bit more than I thought, <laughs> a little bit more than I thought. Like for instance, my first Otello that I'll do uh, is going to be in concert as well, because I wanted to see if I could just stand there right. and sing it, Right, you know? Uh, with an orchestra, right, and you know how that works out. Uh, but uh, other uh, then I then in a year and a half, I have the first staged one on the books. Where's that? Uh, in Canada. Okay. So if that doesn't, if the concert one doesn't go well, oh, you have time. I have time to either <laughs> to say you're going to need somebody else. <laughs> either fix it or say, yeah. you know, that's not a good fit. Not right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. Um, now with your eye for business is the choice, like you said, there are lots of people to sing these other roles, even though you love the music and you'd like to sing them. Uh, what about the fee structure? Do, is there is there a higher fee for a Manrico than there is for an Edgardo? 
or f- I would think the hi- it's, the I mean, fee is a that- slightly hi- higher starting. But for instance, it, my, the fee is the fee. So if you're making five dollars for you know singing in Manrico, if somebody wants you to sing at Gardo, they're going to have to pay you the same five dollars. Even though the supply and demand is different for those yes. roles. Yes, the, the the fee will be the same. Because huh. once your fee is set at a place, it starts there. It doesn't go down. So is it reputation, fame, and no, notoriety that changes those fee structures? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. There's, a, again, there's a, the, the supply and demand part. There's also every house Perception. has their cap of the their fee. They don't oh, really? go above a certain fee. Like you the know? famous Kalas Tabaldi thing. That happened at the Met, where Collis wanted a dollar more than a dollar more than the other person, right? Yeah. So, so you don't. There aren't really any fee busters out there. Well, probably the people who started before caps came into play. Oh, I know, see. Before fee caps came, like into Placido. Play. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt that. You know. Yeah. He you gets know, he, what he wants. Right. Yeah. He can't come in and say, "I want twenty-five thousand yeah. a night." Okay. Sure. Right. Right. You know, that's that's sort of how those things operate. You know, but there are places like the Met who says, "You know, our top fee is twenty, no matter what, no matter what." That's what our no top matter fee who is. you are. No matter who you are, that's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say. Now, if if we choose to believe it, you know that's a yeah. whole other story. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, and but in a way, there's some houses that I do believe that they operate in that way. You yeah, know, they say you know our top fee is twenty, and that's what we can afford to pay. Right. And if you're a top fee kind of artist, that's what you're gonna make. Right. You know, uh, but you know, some companies play a game where you're there are only six performances scheduled. Yeah. But they pay you for eight. You know, those kinds of things, you know, I see. or they'll or they'll schedule eight performances, then they'll because they know they weren't not going to do eight and they'll take two off the books. But they still but you're have to still pay on the you, contract. Yes. They still have to pay you for those other two. Do you have uh, I, I don't want to say I mean, the segue into this question makes it sound like it's all just about that. But are there companies that you really look forward to hearing from more than others? Yes. You know, um, I got my career um how do how do you say this not started but you know on a major level at the met so i always want to sing at the met just out of loyalty just not not really out of loyalty but i feel like that's my artistic home in a way because they really if i hadn't gone to the met i don't think i'd be in la you know i don't think i'd be i'd have the the ability to sing in all the places that I've sung. Would you consider that a, 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 a break? Like if you looked at your career, was that your big break? Yes. And what were the circumstances surrounding that engagement? It was a, it was a young artist, you know, somehow, some way, someone called and said, the Met, you know, heard about you and want you to audition. For the young artist? For the young artist program. And uh, I flew out, I auditioned, and then, you know, they called me and, and said, well, won't you come and sing again? How old because, were you? Uh, 25. So you really hadn't started a career of no. note? No. At that point? No. Uh, the career of note happened, you know, then. after after the Met. And and while I was at the Met in the Young Artist Program, my second year there, I started doing vocal competitions and I started winning them. Mm-hmm. And so that made more people take notice. Did that confidence um, of being hired by the Met really help you vocally or was it, was it always the same for you vocally? No, it you know, being hired by the Met uh, just psychologically, helped. you know. Well, psychologically, it huge. Screwed. No, it screwed me. Oh, because, it did. Yes, what, because why? because it's a it's a high pressure situation. You know, you're at the big house and you have to produce. They get and, their money's worth. Yes, 
You know, it's it's uh, but they're not putting they're not throwing you on stage right away. Okay, they're just you know you know you have language classes and you have you know coachings all day and and they're making sure that you're ready. And but you have all these people who work with Renee Fleming and Placido Domingo, and these are the same people that are working with you. So the pressure, they all talk, yeah, right. And the pressure to get to that level, you know, is steep, you know, and I, and I was never anybody's favorite, you know, well, I'm, I was Levon's favorite. Levon and I have a great relationship. I was Levon's. He loved, he always loved and supported me, uh, when I was a young artist. Uh, but I wasn't the one that the company was like grooming to be the next star. Who was that when you were there? Oh, well, in my, with my years, <laughs> the, there, three of us came in at the same time and my year of going into the Met program. They only accepted three people. Okay. Uh, Allison Cambridge, Dimitri Pitas, and myself. And it was clear from moment one that Dimitri Pitas was the one that they were grooming to be the next star. It was clear. You know, they made no, they didn't hide it. You know, it was very clear that they wanted him to be the next star. Yeah. Huh. And so, you, you know, you you walked around with that knowledge. Yeah. Which was, which for me was a little bit liberating. Uh, yeah, but, but I, I was going to ask you that. How do you how do you uh, respond to that? Is there a sense of competition that wells up inside of you? Is well, there... no, not for me. I mean, it, if if anything, it makes the other guy a bit more competitive, you know. Uh, but for me, it didn't. I didn't feel like it made me competitive at all. Like, I think it gave me a little bit of freedom that I could sort of fly under the radar. But you know, they say out of sight, out of mind, kind of thing. Yeah. And I was sort of that guy that was out of sight, out of mind. And, yeah. And I lucked up, and I met Peter Sellers and John Adams, and I started that relationship, you know, artistically. Yeah. And that got me into places that I would never have gone, you know. And without the Met, I would have probably never met Peter Sellers and John Adams. Is that repertoire fulfilling for you? It is. I it love is. It. I love it. You know, what greater pleasure is there than to have a composer write something for you? I know. You know, that's that's. The, I've had that happen a couple of times, yeah. and you're right. It is thrilling. It's, it's it's thrilling. It's an honor. Yeah. You know, to have. I mean, he's probably the greatest American composer. You know. Yeah. We don't really have that. You yeah. know, in this country. Um, but we have some great composers. Sure. But I think John Adams, Philip Glass, you know, those guys who were uh, lucky enough to have Philip Glass write something for them, you know, that has to be like, you know, one of the most amazing A real amazing feather things. in your cap. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, listen, they bought me my first house, you know, uh, to, you know, singing with Peter and uh, and singing John's music uh, and singing with Pete, Mozart with Peter in Vienna. Yeah. You know, those kind of things and these odd productions that made people think and they probably didn't like them very much. Uh but they still came, you know, it was packed every night, you know. I miss that. that I, I miss that stuff. repertoire, actually, in, in here at the house. We get maybe one or two a season that are a little bit more conceptual. Darko Treznak is, a, is one of the, the directors that I really like. I like uh, Darko a lot. Uh, and I like the conceptual nature of it. And I feel like the audience here in L.A. is more sophisticated than we give them credit for, actually. Right. I think I think that repertoire and that, those kind of productions would go well here. Right. Absolutely. And I think Christopher Kelsch and, and James Conlon are instrumental in presenting those. But they also have to be careful. Harder. I know. Because I know. You, don't, you don't want to drive away the traditionals. Exactly. You know, yeah. if you do too much, you know, modern, too many modern productions and then than the folks that come for the pomp and circumstance. Well, big, big money is pretty traditional. Right, right. <laughs> and we need that right. to, uh, to float this art form. Absolutely. So what do you have coming next? Do you have the, the Wagner? Is that next? The Wagner's, well, next, I, before the Wagner, I have a concert. Where's that? <laughs> in Detroit. I have a concert in Detroit. And what are you singing? Uh, 
it's a gala and I'm singing a duet from Otello on it and a Sipel Chel and I'm singing Chelo Emar, Chelo Emar, which I've never sung in public before. Oh my gosh. So that would be my first time singing in public. So you're still going uh, through this stuff, even at your level, you are, you are bringing out new oh, absolutely. stuff all the time, all, just all like the this time. Wagner. Yeah. Then uh, I go, after the Wagner, I go to Salzburg to sing Mozart in the land of Mozart. I'm singing Clemenza di Tito. Wow. Um, uh, which has some coloratura in it, yeah. but that coloratura is manageable because it's not yeah, the same it's as not real... the melismatic coloratura no, that's so not. difficult. Yes, uh, and uh, I do that, and then my fall starts, and then I end the summer with a Beethoven nine at Tanglewood. Yeah, um, and then my summer starts with my my fall starts with Otello, Otello in Atlanta in concert. That's great, which man. also a new role, uh, and then Bohem at the Met, which I haven't sung Bohem in. 16 years when you look at a role like Otello do you go to somebody like Placido and say hey or do you just do it on your own I do it on my own because um, I can't sing it the way that somebody like Placido sang it you know I know that if I tried to do that I'd be burned out the advice that he would give you would not necessarily well I don't uh, I don't know yeah I I think that there there are things that some things you just learn on your own it's just a I mean I'm sure he could impart yeah some wisdom, you know. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I, but I've also seen a lot of performances of Otello, mm-hmm. and I've seen people crash and burn. I know where they, where they, where the pitfalls, where are. the pitfalls are. Yeah, uh, it's the end of Act Two, going to Act Three. That's right. You know, the, where you have those you know, three big scenes, like one after the other. There are some universal pitfalls for yes. all of us tenors that yes. we all know about, right. like Flora's scene. Right. Uh, don't over sing at the party at Flora's house, right. or you're going to be screwed. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, I think that I don't, I'm not a big coacher. Like, I don't like to go to coaches. Okay. Uh, do you record yourself? Nope. Nope. I just, you do just it, know what it I feels. do it all. I do it all on my own. Yeah. Uh, well, Loga, I'm not doing it on my own. I'm going to as many people as I possibly can because mm-hmm. I don't understand I, how to sing in that way, mm-hmm. you know? And because I waited so long to start learning it. Is it a language thing for you or no? No, it's not a language thing. I mean, my German is pretty good. It's more that the character has so many words and he doesn't, there are no melodies. Like I'm used to singing long lyric lines right. or even long dramatic lines right. uh, with a big high note capped at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have that in this repertoire. And you know how to manage that kind of role. Right. This is a different beast. This is a different beast because it's all low. Mm-hmm. It's all sort of speaky. Mm-hmm. And uh, declamatory. And, and yeah. declamatory mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, and there's a big orchestra around it. Uh, there's some moments that there, there are no, there's, no orchestra around it and you have to find a way to lay off in those moments right you know right and i'm i'm figuring those things out but i have to figure it out much faster <laughs> well listen man you're one of my favorite tenors you're a delightful thank person and much. a very good colleague i want to tell you at least from the chorus we right. all love working with you thank you i love working with you guys and too. thank you for being on my show i love it thank you very much thanks for having me well there you have it friends that was russell thomas terrific tenor russell thomas thanks russell for being on the show uh Gosh, I hope you liked that. I, I sure did. I uh, I love talking to other tenors. It always gives me a lot to think about. And, you know, maybe there's something for everybody in this one. I, it's, it's always hard to tell. I want to thank you all for listening, though. This podcast is really picking up some steam. And I, it's, uh, it's all because of you guys, my terrific listeners. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Really hope you enjoy the rest of your week. should be lovely weather here in sunny Southern California. Remember to always be kind to everybody. Not to everybody. I mean, some people are assholes, but 
try and be kind to one another, and the people that you like, especially, and strangers who seem to be pretty cool. Try to do that. Thanks for listening, and until next time. You like long walks and you wear clean pants, genius. Get onto my show.